0: Hi, I'm Dr. Will Bostock from Cambridge Progressive Medicine. This podcast aims to assist you in taking control of your own health, well-being and happiness using a combination of Western medicine, psychotherapy, thought work and lifestyle. The podcasts are designed to be used in conjunction with working face-to-face with me, but I've made them freely available and you're welcome to listen to them independently. And if you do, I hope you find them helpful. If you would like to work directly with me, you can visit my website at www.cambridgeprogressivemedicine.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Cambridge Progressive Medicine podcast series. How are you getting on with the psychotherapy? I hope that you are finding embarking on this journey as fascinating and as exciting as I have. Psychotherapy is an immensely valuable stepping stone on the journey towards taking control of our own health and happiness. It is, though, just one step. The first step was meditation learning to simply turn off painful thoughts. The second, psychotherapy, learning where these thoughts came from and why we are not to blame for them. The next step is learning how to manage your mind, actively changing painful thoughts to positive ones. It is important to note that these three steps will overlap. I still meditate and I am still discovering new things about myself and my thought patterns and I work at managing my mind continuously. You do not have to fully master one step before you move on to the next. All three are tools for living well, and all three can be worked at and improved upon throughout our lives. When we learn yoga, we may learn warrior one before downward dog, before firefly pose. But that doesn't mean that once we have attempted firefly, we will never do warrior one again or continue to perfect, improve upon, and benefit from it. Psychotherapy is helpful because it teaches us why we think what we think, and that our thoughts and opinions are subjective. This allows us to forgive and be kind to ourselves, and enable us to start the essential process of parenting ourselves. However, learning the origin of our thoughts does not, in itself, make us feel better. Understanding the root cause of my insecurities does not help me if I continue to feel insecure. If I continue to think bad thoughts about myself, I will continue to feel bad, irrespective of the fact that I now know why I have developed the habit of thinking the thoughts. If we want to feel better, we must think better thoughts. Sadly, even that is not enough. I did warn you that this wasn't going to be easy. This stuff is simple, but it's hard. Not only do we have to think better thoughts, we must also believe those thoughts. I can think the thought, my podcast is the best podcast ever written, but if I don't believe it, it's not going to change the way I feel. Learning how to think and believe helpful thoughts about yourself on purpose is the basis of managing your mind. And the way to achieve this is through the practice of thought work. Today's episode is quite analytical. We all learn in different ways, and for me, this theoretical approach really helps me to grasp the concepts needed for thought work. When I first wrote it, I honestly thought I was a genius. It was my proudest moment, my greatest work. I thought it would change the world. I showed it to my sister and my partner, and they both said they had no idea what I was on about. I have rewritten it since then, and I hope that I've made it a little bit more intelligible, and that you find it helpful. It is a slightly tricky concept to describe, and you may want to listen to the episode more than once. Some people prefer to learn by reading rather than listening, and so I've also decided to make the text versions of these podcasts available and you can find these on my website. If you're a more practical, hands-on learner, don't worry. There will be plenty of practical examples and advice coming up later. If this isn't your kind of thing, you could skip this episode altogether if you wanted, although you might miss out on a little bit of genius. Okay, here goes. There are lots of different theories of mind, of the human self, of the concept of me. Or I. These focus on the different states of consciousness, or different parts of the self. The most famous is probably Freud's concept of the ego, superego, and the id. These are fascinating, but they are also complex and confusing. And because of this, I'm not sure how helpful they are as day to day tools to help us to feel better and healthier. It is, however, Helpful to have some understanding, or at least awareness, of our own concept of self if we want to embark on self-improvement. The good news is, it doesn't need to be complicated. You don't need to read Freud or get a master's degree in psychology. You just need to take some time to think about it for yourself, and maybe listen to a few podcasts. I want to present a very basic concept of self to be used as a tool for thought work. I want you to try to identify and focus on two separate parts to yourself. Two levels of consciousness, both of which are equally a part of who you are. What you are referring to when you say me or I. You are aware of and experience both, and both are internal to you, and exist in your mind. You could think of them as thoughts and feelings or the thinking part and the doing part, or the observer and the actor, or the rational and the irrational. The thinking, rational, observing part are your thoughts. They are the sentences that you have in your brain, the running commentary in your mind as you go through life. The doing, irrational, acting part is everything else that exists in your mind everything that isn't a sentence in your brain. It is all the inputs you get from your five senses, the experiences of colour, sound and taste. It is the feelings and emotions you experience, the feelings of joy, sadness or loneliness. It is the physical sensations you feel in your body, such as an itch, momentum, pleasure or pain. The irrational acting, Doing part is all the stuff you do without really thinking about it, what we sometimes call being in the moment. It is the experience of being alive in the world. Have you ever driven to work in the morning and can't really remember the journey? Well, that was your doing self doing the driving. Contrast this with when you first learned to drive, when you had to really think about it and concentrate. Mirror, signal, manoeuvre. That was the thinking part of the brain driving. It is a sentence in your brain. When you're at a party having a great time, your irrational doing self is at work. When you get home and start worrying that you are too loud and drunk, or too shy and boring, or that you forgot to say goodbye to the Bobsy twins, that is your thinking, rational, observing self. If you are talking to someone and busy thinking about what you are going to say next, your focus is on the thinking part. When you are caught up in a fluid conversation, you are focused on the doing part. This is not some groundbreaking theory, but it can be hard to describe. I think the problem is that all the words we use to describe these two parts of the self are already taken. Doing and thinking, acting and observing rational and irrational, already mean different things to different people, and this confuses the issue. Because of this, I think the best way to understand it is to feel it. I came up with this description in the shower this morning. I knew I wanted to write this podcast today, and so I just thought about myself, my thoughts, my feelings, my experiences, what went on in my head, and how I could best describe this to you. I recommend you do the same. Take a moment to think about it yourself. Your concept of self is personal to you, and only you can know what it feels like to be you. So in the shower, try to focus on the different experiences you have. Try to focus on the difference between the sentences in your mind and your experience of living in the world. The difference between your thoughts and your feelings. Until you actually feel it, to focus on these different parts of the self, it can be hard to conceptualise. So why don't you press pause, go jump in the shower and give it a go. Okay, you don't have to be in the shower, that's not compulsory. Alright, I'm going to assume that your body and mind are both a little bit cleaner. And you're with me so far on the two levels of consciousness idea. It would be good if you are, because it is helpful for the work that we are going to be doing going forward. Maybe you're a psychology graduate, or big into self-help, and you can see a thousand holes and problems with this gross oversimplification of the self. I want you to try and let go of these for now. I don't want you to worry if this model is an accurate description of the human self, whether it is right or true. That doesn't really matter. It is not an academic theorem. It is just a helpful tool for understanding ourselves and doing some work. So try to hold on to it for now in its most simple form. So each of us has a thinking and a doing part to our minds. The thinking part are the sentences in our brain, and the doing part is everything else. Experiences in our body and mind, physical sensations, visual experiences, sounds, touch, emotions. It's how we feel. I want to expand a little on this concept with a few observations. Firstly, both parts exist simultaneously, but we are sometimes more aware of or focused on one than the other. When we are playing sport, the moment we hit the ball, it is the doing part that we are focused on. But when we try to remember the score, the thinking part is at the forefront of our minds. When we meditate, Our aim is to tune out the thinking part and focus on the doing part of our brain. The doing part can only exist in the present. We can only have experiences when they are actually happening to us, at the time we are experiencing them. If we are ever thinking about the past or the future, that is the thinking self at work. It is therefore responsible for all future planning and all analysing of past events. The thinking part isn't just a commentator, it is also critic and judge. All value judgments, good or bad, right and wrong, come from the thinking part of the brain. When we experience a sensation, such as a colour, or a taste, or a sound, it is the thinking part that puts value onto it, that makes it a good or a bad colour. The sensation itself has no value. It's just a sensation. That is why people can have different tastes in music or art. What is beautiful to one person may be ugly to somebody else. So now I'm going to share with you the best thing that I have ever learnt. I say share because I can't teach it to you, and you are probably not going to believe it the first time you hear it. But maybe, by working together, I can help you to learn it for yourself. It is the crux, the bottom line, the key to all health, happiness and well-being. Are you ready? This is it. You are in control of the thinking part of your brain. And the thinking part of the brain controls the doing and feeling part of the brain, not the other way around. You are therefore in control of what you think, how you feel, how you act and what you do. You get to choose. I'm going to repeat that. You are in control of the thinking part of your brain. And the thinking part of the brain controls the doing and the feeling part of the brain. Most of us believe that what we think, the sentences we have in our minds, are caused by how we feel, what we see, what we hear, and the emotions we have, by the world around us. For example, let's say I go to see my GP with painful knees, and he tells me I'm overweight. That makes me feel sad and angry, which causes me to think bad thoughts about myself, and so I cheat on my diet. To my mind, the GP has caused me to be sad and a little bit less healthy. This is wrong for two reasons. Number one, external events do not cause our thoughts. External events, what we see, what we hear, the people we interact with and the things we do, do not cause our thoughts. We cause our thoughts, only us, no one else. They come from within us and from us alone. Number two, external events do not cause our feelings. External events, what we see, what we hear, the people we interact with and the things we do, do not cause our feelings. Our thoughts cause our feelings, and we cause our thoughts. And because you can choose what to think, you can indirectly choose your own feelings by deliberately selecting thoughts that are helpful to you. If I feel sad when something happens to me, when the GP is rude, or the weather is bad, or my boss shouts at me, it is not the event itself that causes me to feel sad, but my thoughts about it. It is what I make it mean about me, or them, or the world. It is my stories about it that make me sad. These stories are generated by the thinking part of our brains. We can all learn to master the thinking part of our brain. We can choose, on purpose, to think different thoughts about any situation or circumstance. To choose thoughts that make us feel good instead of bad. This is the basis of thought work. It is the basis of learning to manage your mind. Now, remember from episode one, I said that when we feel unwell, we are experiencing a combination of mental and physical thoughts, feelings, sensations, and emotions that are unpleasant for us to experience. If we can choose our own thoughts, and these cause how we feel, Being healthy is within our grasp. All we need to do is learn how to believe positive thoughts that produce positive feelings and emotions, thoughts that are conducive to good health. And this is how you can learn to choose to be healthy. I think I'm going to leave it there for today's episode, but I just want to say this before I go. I don't expect that I've convinced you yet. I doubt you truly believe that external events don't cause your thoughts or feelings, or that you have the ability to choose to be healthy. It probably goes against your whole system of belief about the world, your place in it, and who you are. And as we already discussed, the brain, the unconscious, irrational part of the brain, hates the feeling it gets from uncertainty and insecurity. It will fight it and throw up a multitude of objections to it, to defend its position. There is absolutely no way that if I'd listened to my own words five years ago, that I would have been convinced, even in the slightest. Honestly, I wouldn't even have taken the time to listen. But I want you to stay with me, because I know from my own personal experience, that with work and focus, it is possible to learn to believe that you have control and to fundamentally change the way you think and feel about yourself and the world. And I'll tell you this for free. It feels fantastic. It has changed my life. And I want to share it with you, so you can feel fantastic too. I chose those words carefully. I'm not even saying that it is true. That my way is right, and others are wrong. I'm only saying that it is possible to learn to sincerely believe it. The beauty of thought work is that it doesn't even matter if it's true or not. Because convincing yourself is all it takes to take control of your own mind, of your own thoughts, your own feelings, and your own health and happiness. If you can do that, who cares if it's true or not? What does it matter if other people don't believe it? If something works for you, if it has a positive impact on you, then it is true for you. It has worked for me. I sincerely hope it can work for you too.